This is the CPA Lady Podcast, where we're talking everything accounting, taxes, estate planning, and your career moves. We want you to pass on the wealth to the next generation and become the best in your career. And now, here's your host, Marjorie McPike. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the CPA Lady Podcast. My name is Marjorie McPike. I am a CPA in Southern California, I'm currently working in public accounting at a regional CPA firm. And I have with me today, Jacqueline Anderson, a CPA from Georgia. Jacqueline, will you introduce yourself, please? Hi, everyone out there. As Marjorie said, my name is Jacqueline Anderson. However, everybody calls me Jackie. So, (laughs) (laughs) and I am a certified public accountant and I work in government and I am an entrepreneur as well. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for joining me. It's such a privilege and an honor to be able to sit down and talk to you about your CPA journey, not just your, not your CPA journey so much, but your that, but your, um, your experience in accounting and how that can help other entrepreneurs. That's a big part of what I'm about is helping to educate entrepreneurs on taxes, accounting, generational wealth, and of course their career. Gotcha. So give me a little bit about your background. How did you get into accounting, your education, you know, how'd you get to where you are now? Well, I will say it was not traditional. That seems to be the running theme in the black community. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say I fell into accounting. Mm -hmm. I was a finance major and I will be honest and transparent during this conversation and say when I graduated high school, I didn't have any interest in going to college. I didn't even know that that was the career path or or the way to a career. I am from Northeast Texas, and there was pretty much little guidance on what to do after high school, basically get a job and survive and live life, an actual career. (laughs) However, I did decide to go to college, junior college. So my process or path has been in phases to tell you the truth I started out since I didn't have any interest or necessarily a goal to go to college I started with an associate degree so I said okay I'll go to my local or nearby community college which was a junior college so I started out on a two-year program again didn't necessarily have any interest or didn't know where I was headed but I completed a two-year program and have my associate of arts degree in business and where I'm from, it's a small area, but there are little pockets of two-year or community colleges that fed into the nearby University of Texas at Tyler. Mm-hmm. Not the main one in Austin, but one of their branches in our area. So all their two-year programs fed into their programs, their four-year programs, if you decided to. All your courses rolled into a four-year degree. Because mm-hmm. at that time, the University of Texas at Tyler was considered an upper-level college anyway you went there as a junior or senior now here in 2020 it is a full-fledged four-year university but back then like I said the community colleges and junior colleges fed into their upper level program so that being said I finished and I am a goal-oriented checklist person so I was like okay I got my two-year degree but again being from a small town opportunities were limited Mm-hmm. And I felt like if I've sacrificed to go to college, I didn't go to college to get a degree to work in a factory because those are pretty much my only options. Mm-hmm. And so I decided, okay, I rolled after getting into college and seeing what my options were regarding turning it into a four year degree. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> 
I go over here pretty much around the corner to the university because all the courses were accepted. Just roll right into that four-year program. So I had a two-year degree, Associate of Arts in Business, and decided at that time, I think if you majored in business administration, your bachelor's degree, your only options back then were like management, marketing, finance, accounting. And I do remember this vividly because the internet and e-commerce was just coming uh, online, so to speak, and people were just now becoming familiar with this. So e-commerce was a big, I, big major. It's like, ooh, what is this about? Buying and selling online. But I just remember that. Anyway, back when I was at junior college, I had to take a course, in a, of course, an accounting class in the business program. And I remember that lady telling us, the instructor said, business, uh, the debits and credits are completely opposite of what you think. Mm-hmm. credit card or debit card. I don't even know if we used them back then, but if she was like complete opposite and I just could not wrap my brain around it. So I took that one class that was required and I decided at that point, finance would be my major. <laughs> I am not doing accounting. Of course, I didn't want to do management or marketing, but once it was explained to me, basically the accounts or like the number crunchers, the right. accounts, as a finance major they will accounts create the reports but they'll generate the reports and you can analyze them Mm -hmm. that was my mindset or work on the stock in the stock market and trading so i figured okay we'll let the bean counters and number crunchers create their financial statements income statement balance sheets and then you analyze them so that's how i ended up going to finance route and i feel like okay accounting just seemed to be so hard and i left it behind little did i know i would circle back to it that's why i say my journey or my experience was not traditional because i did not have any interest in being an accountant i just thought it was just it was just it was a lot it was a lot of effort it was really hard and i did not want to challenge myself to be quite honest School came pretty easy. Were you about to say something? <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask, so, so what stuck out in accounting that, that, that drew you in? And when I finally, I'm going to circle back to it, mm-hmm. the potential, the earning potential. <laughs> and so I ended up going on through, through school, got my bachelor's degree. And at that time I had my daughter. So I, at that point, I felt like I needed to, have a job a career as you say mm-hmm. something with a steady paycheck and reliable and, pre- and pretty predictable paycheck at that i knew what it would be so i was looking for a salary job position but along the way i'm i work in government that's what my career has been my career path has been in government alongside we'll get into what i do on the side or in addition to that supplemental income i'm about mm-hmm. that but i started working in government and i realized you may do some of the same tasks and duties, responsibilities day in and day out, but being in government, if you have certain credentials, that will make you eligible for certain promotions or pay grades. Okay. And I found out having my master's degree and then later on being a CPA, whether I use that skill set or not, it just set me up for different promotions. Different promotions. That, that's good thinking. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, I am a checklist type of person. Or you tell me what it takes to do something. Oh, I'm on it then. I'm goal-oriented. Okay, I need to do this, 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 and this. I'm there. Right. However, it was not as easy as I thought it would be because I, I was not exposed to accounting, accounting career. or didn't even know what a, or what a CPA was or knew, or knew a CPA at the time. 
once one I got started. I did not know. And then, of course, work, where I worked at, though, was a lady in the finance director. She was a CPA. But that wasn't brought to my attention until I got into school and got on that track. Okay. So do you find that um, that what you do, so what, what do you do? You're, you work in government and it, can you explain a little bit about what type of accounting you do, what you do in your, your day job? When I was on the CPA track, I was in the finance department of our government agency. So at that time I was doing like some accounts payable and was considered a purchasing agent okay. at the time. So that's how I got my experience in working under a CPA. So that's how my actual experience qualified for the CPA license. But over the years, it's been primarily grant management, grant administration, mm. submitting reimbursements. We're like a pass through agency. So we work with vendors and providers and you just process invoices but on at a higher degree or scale than just your typical ap but it's similar to that because you have a lot of rules and regulations and oversight right for grants because grants are primarily for nonprofit organizations right right getting money from the government to to fund what it is that they're doing right and we are under you know strict guidelines on trying to administer those grants so that's what i do but back to when i was in the accounting world i did i was more of a purchasing agent and had to in in, in had some oversight with internal controls internal controls meaning making sure that people are handling the transactions the way they're supposed to Right. And with the authorization, you had proper authorization before the transaction took place and then receiving it on the back end to make sure everyone was in their limits regarding what they could sign off on and who signed off. So then to with it being government, a lot of people are off sometimes <laughs> and, and and choosing who will, they will delegate that responsibility to. So I was pretty much monitoring that and making sure the proper signatures were in place uh, on paper and in on our internal systems accounts payable systems to make sure we had that so when we were audited or monitored in the governmental world we use monitoring not necessarily auditing we we met those standards and requirements if not you of course you know your funding can be stripped mm -hmm. okay that, that's good information a lot of people probably don't know that because we, we see the government as um, foreign. You know, it's just something that's over there and they do their own thing. So that's good information. People, people should know that. Right. A lot of social services, a lot, of, even though you might go to a regular company, they're probably eligible for a lot of grants and a lot of funding to provide that service to you and your community. Mm -hmm. And so you guys administer that. Okay. So right. that's your nine to five. So let's talk about your entrepreneurship. Well, you're oh. supplemental income, right? Passive in, and with that, make it make passive income is the goal because <laughs> I'm already working nine to five. I don't need to go work five to eleven or midnight. But I understand too. You have to put some blood, sweat, and tears if you want to leave that nine to five. Right. right. <laughs> but the ultimate goal is passive income, whether on the stock market and real estate. Right. That's primarily where I'm at. Although I am dibbling dabbling in the stock market world, which we can talk about during, or maybe I'll circle back to that real estate. Cause right now in the forefront, what I'm doing earlier this year when COVID hit and a lot of us were sent home and trying to figure out what to do with all this extra time, 
in addition to wrapping our brains around a pandemic, what is a pandemic? Because most of us, this is our first time living through one and experiencing it. I felt like I, I need to take advantage of this time here because my company instituted that we would work from home, like 100% telework protocol until further notice. Mm-hmm. So I felt like, okay, I can do my job in addition, but then I don't have to commute. So I've saved an hour in the morning and in the afternoon. So that's two hours yeah, in the day I've gotten back mm-hmm. at a minimum. Right. What am I going to do with that? So friends of mine, say that again. What have you done with that? How have you transitioned or changed the, the use of that time? So early on, so friends of ours, we talk, we're all about, quit talking about it, let's be about it. Mm-hmm. So we got together. We knew we had two extra hours. If nothing else, people I talk to, because most of you commute around about an hour. There was there was no getting around it. So what are you doing with your time? Because this is about holding each other accountable. We started an investment club. Mm-hmm. So 12 of us got together. We've got to put our heads together and put our money, put our monies together, pulled it together. So that's one thing we can say we started out this pandemic. We've talked about it for years, so we started an investment club. Again, back to passive income, using the stock market. In addition to building wealth, you're talking about generational wealth, a lot of us think going to work or having a job, and I hate to say it, I don't think that's the easiest or the best way to generational wealth. But it, <laughs> I don't, it, it keeps the bills paid, but once you stop working, the income stops covered in. You might be living a high life, but you got to keep working for it to continue. So you want to create multiple streams of income or that passive income where it's working. Nowadays, the kids or young people call it sleeping money. Right, right. <laughs> While you sleeping, it's making money, right? So we started that. Well, so that's one thing. And also, I was telling you about real estate. So I've been building a real estate portfolio since the market crash, the recession of 2008. And being a finance major, I learned that in college, if nothing else. <laughs> when everybody else is selling, it's time to start buying. Okay. I, that's one thing I do remember being a finance major. That guy was talking about it. when everybody else is pulling out or trying to hold their cash, you need to be in a position to take advantage of that. Not to say, well, I will say that's what capitalism is all about mm-hmm. here in America, whether you accept it or recognize it or not. But that's how you get ahead in the capitalist society. So I've always been a saver. So in 2008, when the market, real estate market was crashing, I started buying properties. So I got into investment property, property management. My family, I pulled them in. I, didn't have, I don't have a property management company. We do it ourselves. We do the repairs. Of course, to a certain degree, when it's above our heads or we just don't have the time, I call what we say, it's time to call a professional. <laughs> call a professional who one has the tools or the expertise to get it done much faster than we can. So that's where I started. So that's where the supplemental income comes from. We started, I work in the stock market now and real estate. Okay, okay. So with, with, with real estate, because um, it, it's education, you know, mm-hmm. So what do you recommend or what have you found with your accounting and your finance degree and then dealing with real estate? What do you think that people that are investing in real estate should take into consideration or, um, or, or, or how should they handle their finances? So something that, so something that would be beneficial to someone that's investing in real estate. All right. Well, you don't necessarily have to have a separate business for it, as you know, but I did create home-based business for from that so 
back to using my accounting degree and expertise that I've learned. So you should set aside so you're not commingling your funds. <laughs> so keep your rental income separate. And if you are going to manage the properties, yes, you should create a separate business for it so you can keep your income expenses separated. And then when it comes tax time, so you can shelter most of that income because you got the rents coming in, you're going to pay taxes on it if you don't have any expenses to offset that. And if you're doing a lot of that work yourself, your vehicle, gas, all the things you're spending out, you can write off to offset a lot of the income that is coming in each month. So, so that's how I've used my accounting degree. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Property management company. And then your 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 rental pays the the property management company for services, or do you just do it all um, under my one company, okay. under the one company, under many things that we do? Yes, and okay. I pray. And my in the property management is is my family, but I do pay a family member a salary mm -hmm. to go out to handle some of the repairs. That that's generational wealth right there. That's that's a bar. Mm -hmm. Right. Instead of if I was going to be lending out money or helping that person out, okay, here's your salary that will be included in part of my payroll expense. Right. For that business. Right. I like that. Mm -hmm. All right. So I would say, yes, go ahead and set it up separately. Keep your personal expenses, although your personal money will fund that venture or the real estate, but keep it separate so you can take advantage of some of the tax deductions these credits that you can do to offset or lower your taxable income at the end of the year because that's how you build generational wealth that's what we learn being accountants that's why people come to us with their businesses all they're profitable they want to lower their taxable income as much as possible so in a sense it looks like you're not quite profitable but <laughs> we know you it's a tax game, it's a tax game. It's a tax and then, too, I learned, too, it's not tax evasion, it's tax avoidance. And tax avoidance, avoidance is very legal. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. sometimes you have to learn and about being, this being about information and educational, you have to find the, either the people who are knowledgeable or you have to dig and find the information for yourself. So you can set up the right entity and take advantage of those, the rule, know the rules, and then take advantage of some of those the tax code so you can build generational wealth because the idea is to get it obtain it then keep it so you can live off of it and then pass it along so i'm all about obtain it maintain it and then retain it keep it in the family <laughs> i love that i got that from your from your website so let's talk about that so you have a you have a, a business it's um wealth crate so tell right. us a little about, about wealth crate. And I love I love what you say about obtain, maintain, and retain wealth. So right. So and it falls under that one company. So I don't so back to accounting. I don't have 20 different companies. They all fall under JLA professionals. So this one, wealth crate, is back to the accounting side and building generational wealth. So yeah, obtaining it, working it day in and day out. You have the income coming in, you're living life. But again, trying to supplement that and hopefully with passive income so you're not working yourself to death and not being able to enjoy it. So right. obtaining it, then back to maintaining it, get it to a place where it works for itself, back to the real estate or the stock, stock market. Mm -hmm. And then, or where my goal is to live off the interest. Yes. Our goal and mission in the 
in our um, investment club is to be able to live off the interest down the road. We don't know how long it would take us to get there, but that's our mission. Mm-hmm. So then you maintain it. Then at the towards the end of life or when things, oh, and then also to lower your the taxes, being able to pass it along down the road right. once it's time to start estate planning. So retaining it versus this government getting a big chunk of it, or you just have an outright sell it because of some other situation you may find yourself in or services you may need once you get older. Because a lot of times as you age, you can't have any assets if you want any services or assistance. If they look back, I think the look back period in some for some services are seven years, 10 years. So you have to start planning, planning, thinking ahead and finding people, unfortunately, who are not always family to transfer these assets to or setting up a trust if that if you're on that level. But my, uh, I guess, target market and audience is to help us just build, just start, just get started on that path. And that's where ultimately where I want to see our community grow to where we have trust funds and inheritance to pass along. Because I will be honest right now, no, I don't want to say no one, but I don't think on an ordinary basis, I hear anybody talking about their inheritance. This episode of the CPA Lady Podcast is sponsored by Todd Capital, the home of the options course of the year, teaching the culture the importance of investing in ownership. Be sure to tap into our courses and podcasts at linktree forward slash Todd Millionaire. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Todd Millionaire. And, and, and now back to the show. <laughs> and, and you don't. And it's because we are not exposed to that information. And so that's that's something that I that that's a goal of my podcast is to, is to expose people to realizing that, hey, there are companies out there, there are families out there that have trust fund and their kids don't have to work or their kids get money or their grandkids get a trust fund, you know, and there's a way that you can set it up so that it goes, you know, it passes on your wealth passes on. And that's the important thing is knowing how to get it from you to the next person. And that's another reason why I wanted to start the web, the podcast is because so many people are out there making money. You know, you're you're earning a lot of money. The, pan, the the pandemic has brought on opportunities for a lot of people to earn a lot of money. But let's make sure that you're doing with that money what you intend to do. So if it's to pass on to your son, let's let's get you the education so that you can pass it on to your son. Right, and then too with that and setting up back to wealth crate in the different businesses, I have it set up so that money that I generate, the supplemental income, I do, I keep it separate because I do have a steady, predictable income through my job, mm-hmm. which is okay. And I want to emphasize this. A lot of times when you are a licensed professional in any career, whether it's cosmetology, engineer, or contractor, sometimes the world will tell us it's time to step out on your own, be an entrepreneur, call your own shots. But you still have to be accountable to someone, your customers. Right. And people seem to forget that or don't tell people about that. So, it, But my point is, it's okay to go to a job. Mm-hmm. Use it to your advantage. Be strategic about it. And I've worked on my job almost 20 years. Wow. And, and so I, and I think it's given me an opportunity to be strategic about the next phase of my life or career, being a CPA, where I can decide to step out on my own at some point. 
but early on it was before because i knew i had a daughter and people depending on me i stayed in this job but now that i've been in it so long i've set up an actual pension because a lot of jobs corporate america don't even have pensions with the 401k so i have a retirement in addition with the 403b being with it being government i also have a pension that'll be waiting on me down the road mm -hmm. so my point is to say it's okay to work for for folks to be an employee for a while to get have a w-2 right. it's okay until it's time for you to step out and be a consultant transition to being for 1099 mm -hmm. i just want to let people know it's okay i've been doing it and, and it has worked out and then too it's also a safety net because a lot of times in the black community, you we don't have anybody that we can call on if things just don't work out with that entrepreneur venture. You still have a mortgage or a car note. So if you can stay with that steady job and income, I would say stay, stick with it as long as you can and build up your safety net. Have some savings before you step out on your own, if that's what you want to do. But me stepping out on my own has come somewhat with having a CPA license because people seek me out. They know I have CPA and some level of expertise. So I was like, oh, okay. I could, I mean, I can do it. I was like, so I might as well monetize these three letters. Why did I get this? <laughs> of course, it's been rewarding on my job. But again, it's opened so many doors that I wasn't even aware of. Right. Didn't even think about. Yeah. That's early, what early on. Early on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It opens doors, gives you opportunities. Yes. Right. Very cool. Okay. Small business accounting, because I want to make sure we cover that one. Um, you said that you help small businesses to set up their quick their bookkeeping right. systems, and it's primarily QuickBooks. Everybody uses QuickBooks. Are right. there software programs, accounting programs that you're aware of that would be good for people to use? In my experience, QuickBooks is user friendly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's one of the most user friendly ones I've come across. So I would recommend that one because you don't necessarily need an expert to learn how to or to use it and i understand why a lot of entrepreneurs business people use it because it is so easy to use compatible with uh, other software and with your bank accounts where you have the feeds and it pulls in information can code things easily so i get it <laughs> however at the same time i think some business owners don't understand the value of having actual accountant or bookkeeper they feel like because it is user-friendly i can figure it out as i go but back to what i do i usually come in and will set it up okay because do the chart of accounts they feel like okay well and again this is by word of mouth <laughs> i will tell you again because people know oh jack is a cpa she could do that for you mm -hmm. and in reasonable cost it's like okay but i just again back to i don't think they value that expertise or having it as a monthly expense they feel like okay i get you up and running oh or i get them up and running they'll take it from there which is okay then they call me back six months later asking me to come clean it up which i don't complain again again because that's income i charge you okay either you charge me on the front end either i charge you on the front end or i'm gonna charge you on the back end <laughs> <laughs> it's your choice but i think quick quickbooks gives people false sense of security <laughs> of like they know what they're doing and sometimes i feel like they're mi missing out on some tax advantages right by right. doing that but again back to what i do it's pretty much word of mouth and i just do do this primary setup and i train you and i explain to them you can do this if you devote the time to it Mm -hmm. to show them what to do so i don't know if that's either a good or bad thing where i train them so well and they feel comfortable with it <laughs> and they, then they don't need me 
<laughs> oh boy. <laughs> it can still circle back because I think even if you are preparing, if you're even if you're importing the transactions and classifying them, you know, as an entrepreneur or small business owner, it's good to have, you know, your accountant or CPA take a look at it to make sure that what you're classifying is correct. And also to see if maybe there's something that that you're doing um, that would be more beneficial to you. You know, the classifications is big. You know, you don't want to classify an asset as an expense because then you're going to have a false, you know, P&L. Mm-hmm. Also, like if you're spending too much on a certain expense or if you're payroll. And then when it comes down to tax planning time, that's crucial, you know, to really look at your, your financials. Right. And I will say some of the difficulty or trying to education piece of it is trying to get people to understand you can use this to your advantage because when it's time to go to expand your business or you want to loan, you need some official paperwork, some documentation to back up your numbers. And I found that some people just, I think this goes back to guidance. (laughs) direction or lack thereof in the black community you just someone just stepping out there with no experience or anyone to give you any insight on how this works but i know too sometimes we're we feel like well that's more tax you have to pay but if you understand the rules and the guidelines that's you can reduce your taxable income but yet you you can use this to go to a bank and obtain a loan, more funding to grow your business in a sense. But back to what you're doing and educating people so they understand it, the value of having an account. Right. And that's what it is. It's the value it is. And it's, it's, it's black people because we're not exposed to it. So we're not aware. And a lot of people are just starting a business. And so they just, we know how to make money. You know, we know how to get out there and, and hustle or have good work ethic, but it's the other side of it that we need to let people know that you still need to take care of that and then not to do it blindly because you don't want to wake up, you know, and when you file your tax return, that's not the time to be knowing what your tax return is supposed to look like. You should be knowing, you know, November, right. you should be planning now looking at how much you've made and, and what you can expect and see if there are changes that you can make. Early on, right, exactly. And that's even with, with generational wealth, too. I like what you said about hiring your family. That one's big. Yes. Right. You can hire your family. So then you're empowering them and you're, you know, you're getting work done and you're creating a business expense for yourself as well. So. Right. And then, like you say, it's within generational wealth and everybody has some skin in the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially. So some work for you if they're getting paid, right? <laughs> right and then too a lot of times in the black community i found you have one or two people that everybody relies on those that person has made it so to speak or has some extra income and seems to be able to help out other people but again let's put our heads together or come together where we can benefit as a family in years to come mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really? And that's been my mindset okay this is a family affair. That's what I call it. It's a family affair over here. <laughs> We're all contributing to this empire. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So your advisory services to entrepreneurs, is that primarily in the setting up of QuickBooks or do you offer other advisory services or what kind of advice would you give to entrepreneurs? Yeah, usually set up, one, but initially probably the entity do 
you're a sole proprietor. Do you really need an LLC at this point? So we go through that process and then set up QuickBooks. I do try to encourage them out the gate, set it up. You may not necessarily be generating that much revenue or income, but the goal is to be at that point. So let's set everything up correctly on the on the front end that that's the advisory service and advice for some because again this is word of mouth mm-hmm. a lot of people come to me with their ideas or their intention of this is what they plan to do so in that conversation and discussion that's what we talk about and if it turns into a consulting gig great mm-hmm. if not that's okay too because i just i just wish i had the information when i was getting started mm-hmm. and i understand money is tight usually in the black community again, which I just hope we change that at some point <laughs> because I do feel like, because I do feel like we as people across the board, we make time for what we want to. And we have money. We have the money or funds to buy what we want. So again, it's prioritizing what, what is important. And, and that's usually thinking more long-term than short-term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, that's where we start. And if I can pretty much, I don't know if it's a psychological thing or, or if we're just going back to something spiritual. It's pretty much about changing the mindset. That's how I go into it. Not necessarily trying to get a paycheck out of it or pay me. Because sometimes I've heard people say, or just watching podcasts and just different shows, people say, you, you should pay for your, people should pay you for your expertise. So they'll value it more. But at the same time, I, I don't know if that's just within me. I just feel like, I'm here. I, I got it. So I will give it to you if and when it comes back. That, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily need everything to turn into a paycheck right off the bat. Right. That That's not how I go into it or why I go into it. Why I do what I do at this point. I, I want to see everybody win. I want to see you win. <laughs> I'm winning. But again, too, I will say because I maintain my regular job, I don't necessarily have to depend on that either. Mm-hmm. And that's helped me. That's another reason I necessarily, didn't necessarily just step out full force full, right off the bat. I was like, okay. But I will say on the flip side, sometimes you get complacent and comfortable. Yeah. Very easy to get complacent and comfortable with the, with the steady paycheck. Right. But I, I see there's too much work out here to do. Mm-hmm. And then back to people, word of mouth, sending people my way, holding me accountable for those credentials. So I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> they expect me to have some answers for them. So that keeps me on my toes. Mm-hmm. It keeps me motivated to help and willing to offer some advice and, and guide people through this process. But my experience has been, I do the setup on the front end and then they go off on their own. Okay. And that works both ways. You know, I think it's important that they at least come to you for the setup, at least to get started, you know, because it's better to, to kind of start on the right track. Right. Just kind of just, yeah. And I give them all the tools and the resources they need. I show them how easy it is to do it, but just keep everything separate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether they do that or not, that's something different. <laughs> your business and your personal separate. Run your business like a business. Yeah. Right. I've heard people say a business or business. This is what you got a business. Right. So let's set this up so you a legit business where you can go into a bank and obtain a loan if you want, if that's what you need or direction you're trying to take your business to. 
and that's the direction that we should all be trying to take our business to. I, but that's a mindset. Back to that side hustle or doing something on the side, that shift in the way we're thinking. Mm-hmm. And I find, go ahead. The goal is to, to, I would think that for an entrepreneur, the goal would be to eventually, you know, like you said, have more passive income or more investments for something or your business creating enough income so that you don't have to do both, so that you have more freedom, you, you have more, um, you know, more time. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to always be working, like you said, nine to five and five to 11. And then too, I find even if you are an entrepreneur, how are you growing your business or training someone in your family or the next generation? Because the income will stop as soon as you get sick or stop. So what happens That's to the family business? Mm-hmm. And what's the succession plan? Mm-hmm. That's big. That's I, I found that or we have those discussions, but I, I hope that that's where my business evolves into that estate planning and succession planning because we have a a lot of skill sets, a lot of things that we're doing, but how are you grooming the next generation? What are you doing? Have you thought that far ahead? And again, back to usually in the black community, we're just trying to live day to day, check to check, make bills this month, let alone we're talking about thinking 10 years, 20 years down the road, how does this business still exist when you're ready either to take a back seat or when you move on and this this part of life is over. What happened to all your hard work? What would be left? Right. Or does it just cease, come to an end? And a lot of times in the black community, that's it. When that person, you know, health issues, something arises, you you stop the business, you go out of business, so to speak. That that's a good point. Succession planning, even like life insurance, because say for instance, you have someone that's um, a, a an entrepreneur and they're the they're the main person and they have a, a you know a good sized business and something happens to them then you have someone else that's sitting there depending on them you know <laughs> you need to have things in place whether it's life insurance succession plans you know i'm big on trust you know okay things set up in a trust so that the other person is still taken care of right and that goes back to information and education because a lot of times you talk about life insurance, people think you t- the extent of that is burial insurance yeah. <laughs> or enough to cover the final expenses, enough to, like they say, somebody <laughs> in the ground. <laughs> and it was like, wait a minute. But again, that's a whole nother conversation or layer to this mm-hmm. when you're talking about being an entrepreneur. Right, right. Because yeah, it goes beyond burial insurance. Yeah. Right. Just so I find there's a lot of work to be done. So in the accounting field of being a CPA, the lanes are wide open. There's so many areas you can specialize in or be an expert because it's lacking that information or putting that information out there and making it available. And so, so people that look like us are out there for others to connect with and relate to. Cause sometimes I find that that can deter us or be a hindrance in trying to make that connection. Mm-hmm. But if you have somebody that looks like you or can speak from personal experience, they might be more likely to take that, take it to heart and take action the next step. Right. I agree. So, so I would say part of that word of mouth thing and hold I think people in my circle and the community holds me accountable in a sense because they expect me to share that information. Okay. That's good. I like that. Okay. So, 
last question. Okay. We, we talked about um, investment property for generational wealth. And then we also talked about, and this is in, a, in another conversation, about um, when to put your property in the LLC. So how do you see an investment property being for generational wealth? What do you recommend that people do if that's the intention with an investment property? What do you think they should do? Well, I think it depends early on when you buy the property or properties. Because mm -hmm. for me, it was a little different. But if that's going to be your business or you're going to have plenty of properties, I would say early on, put it in the LLC. And I think here in Georgia, I think once you either have five or seven properties, it makes sense because your exposure is so much, your liability. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's when you determine if you need LLC when you look at the liability exposure. And if you have multifamily units, which I do, so that can potentially expose you to a huge amount of liability. Mm -hmm. And if that's where you the, the bulk of your passive income will come from, I would say early on, go ahead and establish LLC. But if you just have one or two properties, that may not be necessary. Okay. Do you have, um, so your properties are in your business. So have you done, are you planning to do succession planning for your business? in order to make sure that that passes on? I guess I should practice what I preach. I plan on it and I have one daughter and yes, we've talked about that. And right now she's in college. So I'm trying to figure out and get in her head how involved she wants to be or will be. And I can trust her <laughs> with that. So I'm not quite sure if it'll just pass transition or better word, transfer directly to her or maybe interest. I'm not quite sure at this point. And I feel like I have time on my side, so I'm guilty of that too. You putting things off and procrastinating. I'm I'm guilty of it. I will admit that. But so giving advice, that should be something you're talking to your accountant about <laughs> early <laughs> on. I would say take the advice of your accountant. So I guess I'm preaching and talking to myself, right? <laughs> but I would say yes, early on, take care of that. So is there anything that you would like to leave, any tidbit that you would like to share with our listeners before we go? Any advice for entrepreneurs or um, we can even go um, CPAs, people that are, are looking to go into the field. Any, any advice? Well, I can go on so many different those little tidbits on each one of those topics, but being a CPA, or going down that road. If you have any interest in it, if that's something you thought about, inkling, pursue it. It will reward you. I, I know we didn't get into what it takes, but it is a sacrifice, but I will say it will pay off exponentially. It pays dividends. If that's the career path you want for yourself, or if you're in accounting, go all the way. Don't stop. Don't just be a staff account. Don't be over there crunching numbers and working hard. You might as well get the paycheck too. You get <laughs> earnings with it. So, cause it will pay off and being an entrepreneur advice, keep your personal and business income and expenses separate. That That's probably all I can say or the most I can say about that is keep good records and keep it separate. So that may trans, I guess, translate to good records. But if you keep it separate, you will be safe. Keep everything separate, and that will benefit you too. Keeping where you can look at where your revenue is and your expenses. So that means have a separate bank account. That's what I mean by that. Keep it separate. Just open up a separate bank account. <laughs> that makes it much easier. 
So and then to believe in yourself, whatever it is you want out of this life, go get it. Yeah. This is, you only get one. So whatever it is you want and take advantage of, I know it's pandemic right now here in November, 2020, but this too shall pass. So when you look back over this time, what did you, what, what, how did you grow? Cause uh, to be honest, I think more people or, or whatever the higher power wanted out of this, a lot of people have slowed down. No matter what your lifestyle is, background is, things have slowed down. So take this moment to analyze what's going on, introspective, and see what it is you can do to achieve your dreams and goals. Take advantage of this. That's and I'll leave you with that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. All of it was awesome. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. I say Jacqueline. Um, Jackie. Jackie. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. I hope that you guys have learned something. Um, I will leave Jackie's contact information um, below. Somehow I'll add it to either the podcast, either the podcast, or um, on the YouTube. Um, but your website, Jackie, if you just, the JLA Professionals website, Wealthcrate, can you just... Wealthcrate.us. Wealthcrate.us. Is it all one word? Yep, all one word. Well, crate, crate, like a crate. That's <laughs> you didn't ask me about that, but the idea was a crate. We hoard things, people box up stuff, and that's where that came from. Your wealth, boxing it up, you keep it. In. So you obtained it now, maintain it and keep it because most people got a bunch of crates or boxes in their basement or garage. <laughs> that's where they came from. <laughs> awesome. Wealthcrate.us, Jackie Anderson, and she is also the host of the Black CPA Lady on YouTube. So look her up. All right. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for having me. Follow Marjorie on Instagram at MLMCPA or Twitter at Marjorie L. McPike. That's M-A-R-J-O-R-I-E-L-M-C-P-I-K-E. We'll see you here next time.